We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guests for today, Akash Shah and Damien Felklin, founders of High Time Foods, a company that provides meat alternatives to the food industry. Both of them met in business school at Babson College. Akash is from India and Damien is from Switzerland, and both had backgrounds in the food industry. They saw a need for an alternative shelf-stable protein source, so they played to their strengths. They won money at pitch competitions, enabling them to launch their company last year, with their first customer being a Mexican restaurant in Boston. The mission of High Time Foods is, as Damien says, very data-driven. They want to turn around the high level of carbon emissions caused by the meat industry, while also helping people in circumstances where they don't have access to or can't afford refrigeration. They see their product as being attractive to flexitarians, meat eaters who are exploring plant-based alternatives. They ultimately hope that their product will be an affordable, sustainable option for meat, regardless of whether their customers are vegan, vegetarian, or flexitarian. Now, let's get better together. Damien Felklin and Akash Shah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, hey, Jerry. Thanks for inviting. Ah, my, thank you. You're welcome. My my job is done. I didn't mess the names up, <laughs> which I always tell people that's my only job is not to screw the names up. You guys are co-founders of High Time Foods, and the tagline is plant-based meat that matters. So that is really cool. There's a lot of that kind of stuff going on in the world. Um, I'm super fascinated by this. I've got a bunch of friends that are 
you know, vegetarian, vegan, vegan curious, like the whole spectrum of like, what does this really mean? And why is this important? So, um, but before we get into all that and, uh, you know, understand this market and what you guys are doing and how, how you guys founded it, as I always like to say, you know, we'd love to hear how you got to do what you're doing today. And since there's two of you, we'll start with Akash. How's that? Sure thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I, we started off High Time Foods in 2021, uh, officially started off because I was able to win this pitch competition and then finally got some money to actually work on the product. Uh, but, but I think the thought of, you know, working in this space, in the alternative meat or plant-based meat space came up a really long time ago, uh, when I was in India. So I grew up in India and, uh, my first job was in a food tech company. Post that, I started off my first startup, which was in the ghost kitchen space. We used to run a chain of restaurants. Uh, we had multiple brands, multiple kitchens. So worked with a lot of food, a lot of meat. And uh, I actually grew up in the southernmost part of India, which is a very, very hot and dry region. There is there is really, uh, there is a a lot of people struggle to even get basic drinking water. Mm -hmm. And when I would, when I would see this, I, when I realized and understood about the amount of water and energy that meat requires, uh, and just on the other hand of society would see people struggling with basic drinking water. That is when something shifted in me. And, uh, that is just when I started reading more and understanding more about, the the entire space of of alternative protein and yeah that's that's just when this thought of working in this industry came up uh cut to that i i came to the us to do my mba met damien over there and uh, both of us were the only two food people in a business school so we naturally <laughs> bonded on that and uh and yeah, we started pitching this at different pitch competitions and won a couple of them, got some money and started off researching on the product and were finally able to start this off. Cool. Which ones did you win? We won, it was, this was at Babson College. They have an annual pitch competition. Babson, called, okay. Yeah, that, that is where we were doing our MBA and they have a pitch competition there called uh, the Bira Challenge, Babson Entrepreneurial Thought and Action Challenge. And uh, it, is a, it is a huge event that happens out there. And uh, yeah, we once when we won that, that is when they, they I think they'd given us $20,000 to work mm. with. At that point, that was, that was a fantastic thing that happened to us. And uh, yeah, that was, that was the starting point. Post that, we won another competition uh, in, in the Boston region itself. Cool. Cool. Wow. Love pitch competitions. It's like the trial by fire, right? I, I was at 500 startups in Launchpad Digital Health with some of my companies. And, nice. Uh, nice. Demo day was like serious stress. <laughs> You've got two minutes to pitch. I don't know how many thousands of people and it's like, you better get this done. And you're like two minutes to explain what we're doing. Oh my God. So. Yep. Cool, and man. We have, we have a demo day experience too that we went through very yeah. recently, but we can talk more about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I find it fascinating because the storytelling is like the most important thing. You know, I was looking through your website and just how, you know, it just, 
I really resonate with the story of things. Like I don't really even care how it works as long as like it, it feels like it feels I'm driven to emotion. Like, Oh, this is so great. So Damien, Jerry, are you, Jerry, are you a marketing guy? <laughs> so, so, um, I am, uh, I've got a degree in electrical engineering. I've also got an MBA. I used to design computer chips and then I went to the dark side. And what I mean, dark side is like, Hey, welcome to marketing two drink minimum. <laughs> what the hell do we even do here? Right. The thing that was really powerful about that is I just loved, I love to write. Like I've written seven books and working on my eighth book. I just love to write. So for me, story just is just makes sense. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you when you get sick of engineering, you go into marketing. <laughs> you know, Akash is an engineer. I will keep that in mind in ten years. From talk again, <laughs> exactly. So so Damien, how'd you tell us your story? How'd you get to do what you're doing today? Sure, sure. I, I think for me, actually, food and entrepreneurship—it's—it's it's an addiction. When I when I reflect on it, I, I already as a teenager, I would start fixing other people's uh, computers and and sell website services and 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 food has been in, in I think kind of in my blood. My my grand grandfather started even a chocolate company. I, I grew up in Switzerland, so it cannot be more uh, <laughs> more Swiss than that. I feel sometimes. No, and I think it's some of my friends they're, they're and family, they make fun of me. Every time I walk into a grocery store, I need to check out all the products, check out the labels. It's it just it's really uh, something I, I, what do you call it, live and breathe. I, I, two times I tried to get out of it, uh, food and entrepreneurship, and like, oh, let's go to corporate, uh, safe job, safe salary. I didn't survive that long. I, I would upset the people there. I would upset myself. Uh, and then tried to get out of the food industry. And, and when I caught, she even approached me like, uh, hey, let's do something in a plant-based space. I was like, no, 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 please don't. I want to get out of the food industry. People shout at you, uh, low margins, uh, stressful job. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, and here we are. I'm, I'm, I'm back. And, and I think it's, it's interesting in regards of why we're doing this particular, uh, I, I think, uh, kind of plant-based solution. I'm, I'm a very data-driven person. People sometimes ask me, like. So what's your what's your like uh, what's your mission or vision or why are you doing this? I'm like, well, I'm a data driven person. I look at the data. I see that one third of the CO two emissions globally come from food. So let's tackle food, and because food is my passion, so I'm, I'm going to approach food. Right? For me, for me, it's very simple from that perspective. But, but yeah, people still shout at us, though. Oh, I can yeah, I can imagine. I mean, thank you, you know, Tosh, <laughs> for pulling me into this business. <laughs> it's all your fault. It's all your fault. Well, you know, it's fascinating because we have a huge amount of dilemma in the world, right? You know, a lot of people to feed. Um, there's all these modalities that are antiquated, I think. You know, I mean, I always thought like, there, I mean, I don't know, you guys are probably not old enough to remember this, but there was a guy back in the 60s and 70s who was talking about the uh, population time bomb, Right. Like, oh my gosh, the world's going to end. We're not going to be able to feed all these people. There's exponential growth and then the world can't handle it, right? And people were generally freaked out. Like this was 70s and 80s and, you know, you would see the ticking time on and the mushroom cloud over the earth. But what's funny is that that never happened. But it wasn't because the population didn't grow. It's because innovative people like you guys were figuring out how to be like 10 times more efficient with resources. Like... You know, vertical farming, aquaponics is 95% better with water usage, like vertical farming. You could put it in the middle of New York City and like you're making, you know, 
And no one, no one really understands that it's innovation and the smart people that solve these big problems. And I think plant-based proteins and food and, you know, it's shelf stable, which is really cool. Like, like there's, like you said, you're from Southern India. Are you, was it like around Bangalore area? Around there? In Chennai. In Chennai. Okay. So yeah, like, Hey, we don't have refrigerators. That's a luxury. Like how are we going to feed the world? And what's been fascinating is all this great innovation. And I'm just curious, what, is it just for you guys, the, of course, you don't want to make a business and all that sort of stuff, but what, what, what's the, what's the innovative spark? What, what, what's the thing that's just other than the data driven, like what, what's the drive? What's the drive that just like you See, get the up? marketing guy, he cannot, he cannot accept that it's data driven. <laughs> no, look, I am the most data driven marketer probably on the, I'm the one that actually understands data more than any of these other knuckleheads, right? Like they don't have a clue, but yeah, no data driven. I get that. But what else? Yeah. what else? No, I think I think uh, I mean you 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 touched upon it right now. Uh, there are still like there's, there's three billion people in this world that don't have access to to refrigeration, like to clean, consistent refrigeration, and the infrastructure that's required to deliver food in a frozen format to them. Uh, if plant-based meat has to become a reality, has to become a a, a product that's that's is used everywhere and that is available everywhere. And if we want to really, really solve the issue of, of, you know, the amount of energy that meat takes up, how can we have products that, that, that require it to be frozen or require it to be refrigeration? That's pretty much where the spark came from. That's, that's where the thought of this came from. And uh, I think what I was able to do very early on was, was, I spoke with a lot of chefs, close close to around eighty different chefs from different parts of the world. Uh, these were people ranging from like Michelin star restaurants to people cooking for huge communities and like cooking at once for like thousand five hundred to two thousand people. And and then realized that that refrigeration space is not something that everyone's willing to give out there. It's not something that everyone has, and 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 that there is a lack of of good nutritious food that contains the the ex, the correct amount of protein that a human being requires and that's that's just where the thought of this came from cool cool cherry okay. I, I actually need to challenge you a little bit what okay. you said you said that innovation is well you're right innovation uh, allowed us to feed more people the question is, was it, and I'm going to be a little bit black and white here, was it good or bad innovation? Uh, when you look, for example, and I'm going to attack right now the chicken industry a little bit here, uh, mm-hmm. and don't quote me on the numbers, but I think in, in the good old days, it took a, a chicken, I think, like eight weeks or 12 weeks or something like that to grow up, and, and then you could eat it. These days, we were something like two weeks, and a good amount of chickens even die during that process. Uh, when you look at the the big corporates uh, in, in farming, more chemicals are being used to grow faster, better. Well, not better, well, more harvesting uh, um, vegetables and fruits, right? But uh, is it really good for the environment? Mm-hmm. Questionable. Is it really good for us as humans? Mm-hmm. Questionable. And I think that's that's where now I'm going to call it, again, black and white. The good innovation comes in and where vertical farming or, or plant-based products can come in and, and actually have uh, not only... Um, 
solve the, the, the challenge of feeding people, but at the same time have a, a sustainable long-term solution for yeah, the environment no. and society. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, you're, I think you're 100% right. I would agree with that. I think innovation is what allows us to scale and do, do the things we do. What's interesting is if you look at the long-term integration trends, or I'm sorry, innovation trends, not integration trends, but innovation trends, you know, there's a great debate now about like electric vehicles as an example, right? Well, before electric vehicles, there was steam power, there was horses, and then we found this oil thing. And then everyone's like, oh, we're going to build the internal combustion engine. And then the world jumped up in terms of access or whatever. Okay. Well, that's sort of waning. Like, you know, it's getting to the point where that technology innovation, same with burning coal, same with all these things that we did to sort of get us to the point where there's a bigger middle class, the middle class is now worried about health. I mean, it's just the general cycle. So I think all innovation just gets played out. You know, it's like it's time, you know, factory farming, the optimization of all that is not sustainable. We know that. I mean, there's this whole idea of, you know, lab grown meat is, a, is another example. Like, hey, let's just take a little bit of a cell and grow it in a massive vat. No one would have thought of that meat industry. Oh, well, it doesn't taste the same. Well, I'm pretty sure we can make it taste the same. Plant-based protein, same thing. Like yep. it, it, it goes in cycles. So while the um, factory farming, farming industrial complex that we scaled to is now hit its technological limit, its innovation limit, something has to change. Because yep. hey, we want to live in an, we want to live like I may live in California, right? I want to live in a California where there's no wildfires, there's no um, smog. I mean, back in the 70s, there used to be tons of smog here. I remember as a kid, and then California said, catalytic converters on every car. First state in the union to ever do that. And they're like, oh, California, a bunch of yahoos. Now every state has got those kind of things. So you're right. There's the bad and the good. I think overall, generally, we're on the trajectory of good. And people like you doing what you're doing and all of these other technologies, again, like even as an example, um, fusion and, and fission, you know, yep. nuclear reactors, right? Three Mile Island crushed all that here. Ridiculous. <laughs> like We could have solved all of these problems, right? Now we're getting even better. So I I see your point, you know, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, in, in terms of like, in terms of food, uh, especially a space like us, it is like, it, is, it was ripe and like waiting for innovation. We've been eating food the same way for thousands of years. We we grow plants, we feed those plants to animals, we grow those animals, and then we eat those animals. But like, and plant-based meat, cultured meat, these are like very, very, very new technologies that have come up, have no economies of scale, are just such new industries. Uh, I would say definitely give it, give it this, give it time. I'm not even saying the same amount of time that we give conventional meat, but you give plant-based meat and cultured meat some more time and it will very well taste the same way and can definitely solve huge problems. And, and think about that when it's even cheaper than the regular meat. And it will because it's scalable, right? Like, you yeah. know, to your point, you know, six weeks for a chicken, now it's two weeks. Well, plant-based or other things like the scale of it is just astronomical. You could do so many other things. And, you know, even we talked about vertical farming and hydroponics and all that, 
you know, uses less pesticide. You know, like there's just so many benefits and you're like, why don't they do this? It's because one that, you know, of course, there's a lot of lobbying and a lot of money behind it. But I think like like all technology innovation, there's an S curve and technology accelerates and decelerates. You just got to hit the next curve. (laughs) And and I think that's what you guys are doing. So and is, is your model are you more selling like to restaurants? Is it, I'm, I'm assuming you don't have like a storefront or maybe one day you will, but like, you know, is it, is it more direct to the food industry to sort of convert them or how does it work? The business plan? Go for it, Damien. Oh, me, you're, you're the sales guy. <laughs> I love to talk about it. No, I'm, uh, our focus is definitely food service. Yes. Right now. And then we have, and then, People usually ask us, why do you do food service? And, and for a caution, I me, mean, it was, was kind of pretty simple decision. Uh, I think there are two or three reasons. First of all, we both understand uh, the food service industry. Akash worked in, in the food uh, service and in the restaurant industry. Akash sold into restaurants back in India. And I, I worked at a food import and food distribution company down in New Jersey. Uh, and I, I would mostly, uh, I think 80% of my business was selling into food service, food distribution, a, a, a small part was, was retail. So so that's what we understand as founders. And then secondly, when you have a product, and I think that's where I have to really give kudos to Akash before I even joined uh, what, what Akash did. It, it took the prototype he had and like, oh, yeah, how do I try this product? Or, oh, let's walk into restaurants and, and give it to chefs. Uh, and then chefs gave, give feedback. And some chefs are, especially in small restaurants, they're like, hey, I'm going to buy a case. Can you bring one next week, right? And here you are. You have your first sale or, or your first test customer. And that allows you, and now we go into a bit startup uh, language here, to iterate fast, right? Because you, you can place a product, get feedback, maybe work on the product, place it again. When you want to go into retail and, and direct to consumers, even in other business, but retail, you, you have to talk to these retail chains. You, you need to have marketing money. You need to have the right packaging, and, and then you place it, and, and that's a long sales cycle. And we, we we don't we don't like as entrepreneurs we don't like to wait, so we want to be fast. <laughs> yeah, move fast, break things, as they say, <laughs> which I never understood. I would you know like I would not want to break anything if I can move you know move it any faster. Interesting. Yeah, because um, what's funny is I have a friend. He lives in Oakland. He is partner at a taqueria. That's a, a vegan taqueria. Yes. Oh, and wait, the one I, in Mission, Mission District, that one? No, it's on Telegraph okay. Avenue in Oakland. It's called okay. Taqueria La Venganza, which I screw the name up. Sorry, Ravi. <laughs> I screwed the name up. Um, but it's funny. I go visit him every once in a while. I say, hey, let's go get something to eat. And I'm like, okay, because he's a, he's a vegan, right? And I'm like, okay, sure. Let's, you know, he's, he's the one that takes me all the vegan places. He's like, well, let's go get tacos at my taqueria because he's like a partner in it. And it's funny because, you know, like I'm a traditional, like people that look at me like, look, I'm more redneck than anything. (laughs) Like I'm meat eater. Right. And it was fascinating because I don't know what, how they do their plant-based protein. I I think it, I think it's soy. I'm not sure. Um, But fantastic. Right. Just, just like, Hey, this is, you know, really good. And of course a little different, you know, and you got to, people got to change, but I just always felt it was fascinating because I think there's going to be a real movement. And I think especially the younger generation where they're really concerned about these things, like my impact on the planet, is it more healthy? And, and, and I don't know if you guys are into like bodybuilding and weightlifting and like world's strongest man stuff. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. I'm sort of a knuckle dragger that way, but I was watching 
a video of the world's strongest vegan. He passed the world's strongest vegan, right? And he's sitting there and he's like, I mean, he's a massive guy, like 300 pounds, got the just really. And he's sitting there talking and he's like, you know how they say strong is an ox? What do ox eat? Plants. Plants. And I'm like, it hit me at that point. I mean, it's silly, right? It hit me. I'm like, you got a point. So, I mean, we hear a lot about meats better, meets this, meets that. I mean, what are some of the things that you guys hear from the customers you're trying to go after? Like the, I don't know, the meat industrial complex that's going to push back. I mean, how do you guys deal with that? You, you say people yell at you. I hope they don't really. But you know what I mean? Like what's sort of the dynamics of how you got to kind of attack this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think sticking one step back as to who is it that that eats our, our product. Uh, we When we launched our product in, in August 2022, we did it at this Mexican restaurant chain called Buloco in, it is in financial district, Boston. Uh, we we were at the start, like we were ourselves also like skeptic about like, oh, like I, I don't know who shows up there. We're like, Sure, let's. I mean, for us, we're, we're we're a young startup. We get every opportunity that like we definitely work on that. And sure, we we got this opportunity, launched the product there, and we started seeing that right, over time, it is most people that that consume our food out there are they they're also meat eaters. They they and and also Boloco serves other other types of proteins. They also serve meat, and what we realized is. Most of these people, they're they they consume meat. They just are willing to cut down on their consumption of meat on a weekly basis. So instead of instead of having eight like like eight different meals which has which has meat on it, they they they're okay to like have a couple of them with just vegetarian food. And that is when it, it struck us like, oh, okay. So like it's not that like I mean people know that this is not conventional meat so they're just trying to eat something that's that's meaty enough that that keeps them satisfied and also gives them the correct amount of protein and gives them a good amount of nutrition and i think we started like keeping that in mind that's how we started approaching all of these other restaurants that we launched the product at and and over time we've, we've seen the same thing it is it is meat eaters that that want to cut down on their meat and and i think keeping keeping that in mind I, I, our product in itself there's a lot of debate about oh, but but you know, pl- plant-based meat doesn't have the right amount of amino acids, and it doesn't have and proteins uh, and and the right amount of proteins. As you said, like all like where 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 do we get our protein from? We get it from chickens. We get it from 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 cows. They all consume plants, and that is how they're themselves also getting the protein from. And and in our case, like what we worked on in our product is that. It still it still has nine out of the ten amino acids that that animal meat has, and there are some products that are out there that actually have all of the other amino acids. So, so functionally and like from a cellular basis, it is the same protein that you're consuming. Yeah, yeah. And by the uh, way, Cherry, to to put a name tag, uh, these these individuals are called flexitarians, and Akash and I, we 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 we, are, we feel part of that that community too, and it's. Because speaking of pushbacks, Jerry, right? Like people initially, people would all, would walk up to like, so is this for vegans? Because vegan, yeah. it's only like two percent of the American population. That's not a scalable business. Like, no, no, no. This is for meat eaters, yeah. right? And, and speaking right. of pushbacks, it's it's so interesting. And 
we shouldn't generalize, but I would say 45, 50 plus uh, individuals, uh, very often also <laughs> kind of the white man, right? Um, like, so why do you do this? Why is it made out of plants? Uh, yeah. Oh, meat is bad for the environment and the human. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's, sometimes you still have to educate. Luckily, we have big companies out there uh, called yeah. Impossible and Beyond. They did a good amount yeah. of education, uh, but yeah, and that, that's that's uh, yeah, it's still ongoing process. No, no, agreed, agreed. It's just so fascinating because you know, <laughs> you know, maybe two percent of vegans in the world, but it seems like everywhere in San Francisco, <laughs> the Bay Area, it's like feels like fifty percent of everyone's a vegan or You're vegan a curious. In a bubble there, you definitely. Yeah, I know, I know, vegan curious, right? For sure. But you know, I always think that argument is just so silly because. There are cultures that have existed for thousands of years that are vegetarian and vegan. I mean, you're a monk in Tibet, <laughs> not eating meat. You know, India is, a, I mean, there's a billion people in India. Most don't eat meat. Like, I, or you know what I mean? I, I'm just being facetious, but to the point is like, it's interesting. You have to prove like, oh, I have to prove that billions of people have been existing this way for, for eons that this is okay, right? And uh, do you think it's do you think it's actually turned the corner? You think it's just enough mainstream? You know, the guys like Beyond Meat and whatever have like really got the marketing engine, so it's more accepted. I mean, of course, the older generation, you know, like they're lost cause sometimes. But do you think it's turned the corner? Uh. I think I think you have the you have the numbers exactly right, but I think what is it like two out of three households have tried out plant based meat in the U.S. itself, uh, and uh, I think a lot more are ongoingly ordering like twenty two percent, twenty two percentage have it in the U.S. at their homes. Uh, absolutely, I think I think it definitely has become more mainstream, and especially with like marketing things like like you know like like just like meatless mondays and like right now veganery and things like that uh definitely has become way way more mainstream you start seeing i mean i think last year's uh i, I can't seem to remember i think it was the oscars that was completely vegan and uh we also had uh we there's there's a very very famous restaurant in new york by the name of uh, i think it's called love in madison park and they it was such a premium restaurant went completely vegan now so definitely turning a corner and sorry sorry your coach side commentator it's a swiss chef who runs that just for touche thank you guys touche touche yeah i mean you know it's funny cuz my my stepdaughter is you know she's 13 so every time she's like don't eat so much meat. Don't eat so much meat because, you know, they teach her that in school. I mean, of course we're in San Francisco, but I just, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's San Francisco is a bit kooky in one sense, but you know, it, even when Arnold Schwarzenegger tells you to have meatless Monday or I do vegan one, one day a week, just to mix it up. I mean, one of the things I think is again, and I'd love your thoughts on this since you guys are in the industry. It's the, it's sort of the, I don't know, um, monochromatic diet, the, I don't know. It just seems like the American diet, like we just eat the same crappy food and 
you know, it's not, there's not a blend of, you know, what it should be, you know, like it's always good to, you know, eat the rainbow and all, you know, so I'm just curious, is that a driver as well? I mean, I know the younger generation, but it just seems to me that it's like things are changing. Just, I just, that's my gut. Just to, speaking about data, since we love data, I, yeah, obviously, yeah, Gen Z and millennials are, are the ones driving it the most. I would, I think, just to add on what Akash said, when you look at uh, New York hospitals are adapting to or adding a, a vegan dish, uh, vegan menu options. Colleges, schools are, are adding more more vegan menu options. And, and I think even a public school in California is now, uh, it's mandatory to have vegan options. So it's coming and I it's probably a little bit of a generational thing too, right? Uh, we it's going to take 10 to 20 years and, and it, the menu will, will look very different. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to go from meat replacement to just the food, because one of the things that I find interesting is like, Oh, this is plant-based chicken or plant-based meat. Okay. Well, what about just being like plant-based food? I don't know. I mean, I know you guys have that kind of ma- well, uh, marketing as well, but what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, in fact, there's some interesting things happening there. I think uh, in Amsterdam, or, or it was, I, I can't seem to remember exactly which which European country it was, but a, a major fast food chain actually uh, started offering, like, by default, everything would be plant-based. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, but then, like, if you, and you need to ask for the animal-based version. So they make you add that barrier for it. Like, yeah, give, give it to me in the animal-based version. And I I think like that that is that is that is extremely smart and would love to see more of that that happening. Uh but but absolutely in terms of in terms of like we it still it comes across as as a mock meat, and people still don't even want to call it meat or, or and things like that. So we will start seeing those kind of boundaries uh, going away and you will definitely start seeing like the menu in itself having more plant-based options. Like for example, right now you walk into a taqueria, you would have in terms of protein, you would have chicken, beef, uh, lamb, pork, and then say maybe one other vegetarian option. We will start seeing a lot more vegetarian options being there. Like you will start seeing a plant-based chicken, plant-based beef, plant-based pork, and things like that. And they could all be from different companies that are actually providing that. Hmm. Do you think the U.S. is going to adopt it faster than any other country, or are there other countries where you see, okay, we're 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 going to grow quicker because they're a vegetarian, vegan culture? Ooh, you bring up a very interesting topic. So going back to the flexitarians and the vegetarians and the vegans, right? I'm going to talk about a traditional vegan. A traditional vegan who maybe even grew up more on a vegan diet doesn't have a a desire for a meat alternative. Why would you? You never had really meat. You don't eat meat. Why would you want to have a meat alternative? The vegetarian, similar to the vegan, in my opinion, um, the vegetarian might have an interest in a, in a plant-based cheese or, or egg rep- uh, um, uh, alternative. The meat eater has an interest in the meat alternative. And I think this is also a topic of change, right? Change, change is hard. Uh, habits, to change habits is hard. So if I'm used, I'm, I'm actually going to bring my, my father here to the place. Like, 
initially when I told him I want to eat less meat and I'm going to go more vegetarian and more flexitarian, more vegan, he could not understand. He couldn't grasp that concept because he grew up in a household in his childhood. There was probably meat on every plate, on every dish. Probably not breakfast, but at least lunch and dinner, right? And now, and now he's uh, how old is he? Is is it sixty plus years old? And 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 now, out. Ooh, that was a an airplane. Uh, out out of a sudden now, um, he he should reduce his meat intake. No, that's that's not what I did for sixty years. Why would I do it now? And but it, it's funny. Even with him, I went to Berlin. Speaking of kind of another hotspot for vegan food, and I think for three days. Not even by choice, but there were so many restaurants who just had vegan. We, we, I think we mostly ate only vegan. And he walked up to an ice cream shop, like, oh, I want to have an ice cream. And he started eating it. And I'm like, do you like it? Oh, I love it. It's great. Did you know that this is vegan? It's plant-based. Oh, oh, okay. I don't care. I like it. So the diehard meat eater, when he had a great experience, was like, I don't care. As long as it tastes and it's probably healthy, then, then I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder how long do you think it's going to take? To just sort of make the transition. Do you think it's, I mean, obviously this generation um, is more apt for that. But I do think, you know, there's all these macroeconomic issues, like you guys mentioned, you know, raising livestock's bad for the environment. It's more costly. There's like, it doesn't scale. I mean, the scale, I, th- I honestly think it's peaked. I mean, people say it, talked about peak oil. You know, I didn't really believe it, but it's been peaky and now with EVs, it's, it's going to go. I mean, it's on the decline. There can't be any other way to go. So do you think there'll be like a peak meat and then peak down or will we always have meat and this will just be an option? I think, I think how, what, what this saying is you know, industry experts, like say maybe 10, 15 years down the line, there would be like a, like a three-way split between how people consume their food in terms of consumption. Yeah. It would be, you would have one third of it consuming meat, like that one third of all protein will be conventional animal meat. One third would be plant-based meat and the other one third would actually be cultured meat. And that's that's how the, the saying things would, would roll out. Uh, in terms of have we achieved peak meat? Uh, I Unfortunately not. I mean, I, I still think people are, are consuming it even in spite of, I mean, right right now, uh, there is there is a big egg shortage happening in the U.S. Uh, there is the entire the the flu situation that's that's up with with it. In fact, Just Egg just just came out with a brilliant ad today on all their on all newspapers. I think they had they said plants don't get the flu, uh, which is really really cool that way. But but it's in spite of that. I mean, the the demand is still there. It is that people still want to buy eggs. Uh, in spite of the flu. So, so yeah, I, th- I think there is still a lot more realization that that needs to happen. It it will happen at some point, uh, especially with, with so many companies working towards this. There is also a demand for like more companies to join in the space. And it definitely will change in terms of it. And I truly believe that, that 50, 60 years down the line, humans will actually look back and be like, oh wow! Like we used to consume so much meat. I truly, truly believe that people will look back in the future at us like that. Huh? Do you, do you feel the same way, Damien? Or what's your what's your take? Yeah, I, I, I can. I, I would agree that there, there 
as we talked about, right, uh, we, we see changes happening. Uh, we see uh, the, the more and more people are adapting it. We see more new, better technologies or, or solutions coming out in, in plant-based and cultured solutions. Um, I think overall, also, as a, it, it goes back maybe a little bit to education, right? I'm talking about uh, nutrition and, and nutritional education is, oh, I don't need to eat meat uh, every every yeah. dish and so on um and, and probably everything as usual it's, it's more complicated and uh, so when, when i think about how we have maybe in europe and north america we maybe even have reached a peak but when you look at other uh, geographies where the middle class is is, is increasing yeah. um, where you see more cars more 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 flights taking off yeah. there's more also more more meat consumption right yeah, because it's almost like this luxury, like I've made it, you know, I've made it to the yep. middle class. And what's fascinating, just in terms of how trends go and as an entrepreneur is trying to hit the right, you know, inflection points, as I talked about, you know, the whole S-curves with innovation. Do you think that there's, you know, people always throw around the idea of like, if it's got 10% penetration, then you don't you don't feel awkward when you're at a dinner party talking about what you do, right? If it doesn't, you're like, eh, do I really want an electric car? I won't really talk about it. Oh, vegan. That is uh, interesting. That, that is so, so that's, interesting. that is the social norm, right? Like that's when mm. you know that like it's almost, it's going to hit mainstream. Again, from a numbers point of view, that's like a general heuristic, right? Um, do you know what it is? Is it like 10% penetration? Is it like, what, what is it? Because I mean, over the last few years, more and more, I see it. My friend Ravi, as an example, is like when he has his vegan restaurant, there's also when he goes and tries to find places. I mean, he's in Oakland. So there's a lot of vegan places. And of course, you know, Boston or maybe or, or, or Germany, or whatever. He always asks them, well, why? Why are you not? I mean, there's tons of one. There's tons of vegans and, you know, not pesca, I'm sorry, vegan curious. And two, he always says he's like, they'll pay more. <laughs> They will pay a premium for plant-based, right? So I'm just, do, do you have any numbers on that? I'm just curious because it's, I mean, in San Francisco, like talking about being a vegetarian and a vegan, you know, that's what the cool kids do. <laughs> I was going to say, I think in, in, in the Bay Area, it's the opposite. If you're not a yep. vegetarian or flexitarian, you're the weird one, uh, if I would say. That is, yes, exactly. Especially if you're a little older, a little more gray in the beard, you know, <laughs> But do you guys have any numbers on that? Because this is a great, the reason why I bring this up is this is a great case study of what you're doing in market timing, right place, right time, right message. You know, you talked about the, uh, you know, beyond me, you know, uh, impossible foods, really having to do a lot of education and you're using that to sort of raise the entire industry. And sometimes entrepreneurs get in too early you know, I'm just curious if you got, are, do you think you're on the right moment? Do you think the penetration's accelerating? Like, I'm just curious because I've, I've found just my general heuristic is like, yeah, when you can talk about it with like the, the random person on the street, like, like it's like Tesla, you know, like electric cars. It's like just everyone wants electric car, you know, California, 2040, all cars sold or 2030, all calls sold will be electric. I, I, I think I think I think in, from from the last we had checked was there was this definitely there was close to around 
four to five percentage of, of, of people in, in the US who identify as vegans, which is definitely a huge amount, plus another five to six percentage that identify as vegetarians. And but but increasingly, and then this is what will affect like 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 the change in itself is you increasingly start people who identify, like start seeing people who identify as flexitarians. And that is where the change will start coming in. In fact, I mean, I remember we were uh, it was this was in in during our college days, we would see plates of of young students. Uh, they would have on on the same plate you would have you would have you would have an animal based chicken, and on the same plate you would have tofu or you would even have a plant based meat that's served. Like so, and and that is what matters. Like you exactly want that. Like I mean, you started you're starting to like they like these students these these people who identify as flexitarians. They don't think they're making a compromise when they're having a, a vegan or vegetarian product. And yep. that is what will make the change. Interesting. And, and yes. Jerry, you, 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 you quoted your friend who, who's, who says, and you can even charge more. I agree that's what's happening right now. That's where the market is right now. That's why it's also, I think that's where we, we're to break it. Uh, down also or to come back a little bit to our business cases we're trying to to make it affordable for everyone because let's be honest who who can afford the actual kind of vegan dish or plant-based dish in a restaurant in, in the bay area it's the middle upper yeah. class it's yeah absolutely yeah, um, yeah and it, absolutely. to be honest as a student I, was, I think we were a little bit upset because either you could order the impossible or beyond burger you very often had to pay a premium I'm sorry yeah. I, I'm a Swiss I'm not used to eating burger every other day and I don't want to so can, can yeah. you serve me something else? Um, yeah. And 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 uh, we 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 achieved, or we we are about to achieve in hopefully the spring that we can produce the product and sell it at a at a price point which which is the same price as regular minced chicken, right? And I think when it's you're great. at that point of giving you the option, do you want to buy actual chicken with the same or or, or plant based chicken at the same price with the same amount of protein? I, I think as a consumer, you have a very different now. It's a diff, different decision making process. Yeah, and I agree. By the way, on that, on, I think on, on that note, so just just so you know, like so, Damien looks completely into operations and production, and I, I take care of business development majorly and. And this is like a challenge that 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 Damien's taken up on himself. Where he's like, "Yeah, you would be able to walk into restaurants and then tell the restauranter that that hey, we will be able to match your price of chicken in in the next few months." And then that that would be a, a really cool thing to do. Something that no other plant-based meat company has been able to do. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, guys, it's been such a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I mean, all the best to you. It's just really cool. I love, I love when people think differently about things and I love when it's like, this is the future, you know, it's like, you heard it here first. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Cherry. By the way, big, big shout out to your uh, friend who introduced you to a more plant-based food. We need more of these kind of people. Yes. Ravi. He's an awesome guy. I love him. And thank so. you for trying it out. Some people. Oh yeah. Nice, so. Why? Why not? I mean, how fun, you know, I got something to talk about at the cocktail parties because I don't drink. I have to be way more entertaining. <laughs> oh, that, that's All a right, whole other good. different conversation. Uh, how, whole Harry, other, how, the, how the alcohol 100%. consumption is decreasing. Yep. I whole, I know we could talk a whole thing about that. So maybe some other time. But, 
Yeah. <laughs> Next startup, right. Pokosh. Next startup. Next startup. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Stay safe, guys. Thanks, Akash and Damien, for being on the show. Always interested in talking about alternative uh, food sources and just so fascinating because I mentioned in the uh, episode, I have a friend, Ravi, who has a or is co-owner of and helps a vegan restaurant in Oakland. So if you want to go check that out, you can see that in the show notes. So as promised, here are the actionable insights that I learned from the interview. Draw on your strengths. While both founders express some disenchantment with working in the food industry, finding a way to solve a problem around food was a good fit for their experiences and interests. So it is much easier to start a company if you actually know the industry. Doesn't mean you can't go and disrupt it in other ways if you know, you're know you like doing something in a crossover kind of way. But if you're just getting started, good to do what you know. So ask yourself questions like, uh, what am I good at? What experience do I have in what industry? Are there things that I'm interested in that might be applicable to the industry I'm in? A lot of times crossover helps a lot, right? You can like see something other people don't see. Start where you know, right? They started focusing on the sales process they know, selling to chefs and restaurants, though they hope to one day go beyond that. So yeah, if you understand like the channel sales, you understand this particular way of selling things, if you can do it, Clearly, you have contacts, you understand people, no one like you and trust you way better. So ask questions like, where can I sell into? Are there people I know that may buy the product I'm going about to buy it or about to create? Excuse me. It's important because you want to get that initial traction. Excuse me and see how, you know, how things are working out, right? Educate your customers. They understand the importance of educating the public around the environmental impact of meat while also producing a product that people will actually buy, right? They acknowledge the work other businesses have done in this area that have helped them pave the way. So we always talk about timing. Timing is super important. If there is lots of people working in, on something, chances are there's a developing market. If there's a lot of chaos, if there's a lot of dis, you know fragmentation, as I like to say, that's an important piece of actually going in and finding your niche, finding your way you can kind of accelerate uh, what you're doing. So... Think about that. Where are the players in the market? Is there disruption? Is there fragmentation? Is there something that I can add that I can accelerate through my um, through my business, right? So there you have it, the actionable insights from my awesome interview. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.